0: The Start On On Demand.
1: The debate over the possibility of an immunity passport has us asking the question today, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, would being prohibited from going to things like restaurants, concerts, or football games, once those are things again... Would that make you change your mind about getting the vaccine? Winnipeg Crime Stoppers joins us today with another unsolved Manitoba mystery. This time, featuring the 1991 death of 19-year-old Glenda Morriso. We'll speak to Winnipeg's Third and Bird about a scam on Instagram. And over the weekend, Greg was watching that new BG's documentary, and it featured a surprise Winnipeg cameo. So we'll ask you the question: What's your favorite Winnipeg or Manitoba cameo? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb, who's back next week. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Tuesday, December 15th podcast for The Start. It is minus 15. You will feel that breeze out in the open. Windchill minus 24. Outside 680. C.J. O'Bree. Did I just say C.J. O'Brie? Like C.J. O'Breeze? I think I did. You it, did. I have cheese, or do I have cheese on the mind? Like brie? <laughs> maybe you do. Well, that that see, that throws the whole thing out the window right there. I was just about to say I'm excited because for the first Tuesday in a long time, GMAC, I actually feel okay. I went to bed at a responsible-ish time last night. I was thinking maybe almost 6 p.m. I was getting sleepy. 7 p.m. I thought, okay, I should go to bed. Then it was suddenly 7.45, and I thought, No, this is where it always falls apart. So I I got ready for bed and I was in bed by eight o'clock. So when I woke up this morning, I was just tired. I wasn't grumpy, hate the world tired.
0: Well, I'm not going to tell you that you did the right thing or the wrong thing, because who the heck knows at the end of it all, we're always tired we get up, right? So that's the first thing. So far be it from me to tell you whether or not you did the right thing or whether or not your plan is working or not. But I struggled the same way to stay awake three different times yesterday. One was in the middle of the afternoon waiting for uh, Shaw to come and uh, deliver. Oh, my gosh. I have this gig internet now. Yeah. And uh what do what they called? The blue wave? Blue curve. Blue curve. I'm talking to my remote control now. I just say... Young and the Restless, and I get all, (laughs) like 15 episodes of Young and the Restless, and I can get all caught up, and of course, there are a variety of other benefits to having the blue curve, and renaming it now, the blue wave, and uh, the gig internet, oh my goodness, it's spectacular, so that was the one time, tried to stay awake, trying to stay awake to go and pick up uh, one of the boys from school, and then I just, I did not feel like making supper at all last night, but I dragged myself into the kitchen, made it happen. I went to bed early last night. So I felt like I did it right until the kids woke me up at 11 o'clock, arguing about who was going to sleep with what dog and who had to brush their teeth. And oh, man. You talk about Brett smash, it was dad smash. Finally, I had to get up and lay down the law. This is ridiculous, you guys. I got to get up in three and a half hours. Go to bed.
1: By the way, that uh, Shaw Blue Curve—not to turn this into a Shaw infomercial or anything—but uh, there are tons of uh, features on that for sports. Oh, uh, like you have access to stats and, and, and rosters and schedules. It's pretty crazy. Like I haven't even—I haven't even begun to delve into that because I don't watch a ton of live sports. But if you are a live sports fan, it's—it's it's got all sorts of neat stuff there. So
0: yeah, it's got the schedule and the, like you say, the different stats of the game that's either being played. Or games that were played previously. So last night was Monday Night Football, and you could go into this feature and would even give you highlights from the games this weekend, uh, just short snippets. But holy smokes, I'm really looking forward to uh, being, being nailed to my coach for the better part of two weeks over Christmas, let me tell you that.
1: And looking at the question of the day... At cjob.com, uh, if I could just pull it up here. See, now I can't enter the right. I can't even type in cjob.com without screwing that up. So maybe the Tuesday. <laughs> I was feeling good, like up until about three minutes ago. But well, we'll- maybe,
0: maybe, maybe we've changed the call letters. Maybe it is CJOB. Head, henceforth.
1: Well, I, I, anything involving cheese, I'm okay with that. Me so, too. Question of the day brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. And it has to do with liars. Remember Sidebar, do you remember the song <laughs> Liar by Henry Rollins? Oh, Henry Rollins. Uh,
0: not the song specifically, no. Was he yelling at people? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah.
1: Okay. It was, it was, it was something <laughs> along the lines of Okay, so he's pretty calm at first, and then suddenly the chorus kicks in, and his shirt's (laughs) off, and I think he's standing in front of flames, and his face is red, and he's like, "'Cause I'm a liar!' Anyway, it was a really wholesome song. But the question is, (laughs) lies are in the air. People tried lying about being a healthcare worker to get quicker access to the COVID vaccine. How big a liar are you? 63% 63% admitted, I have told lies, but only when it's necessary. Uh, 28% say, I always, always tell the truth. 7% say, <laughs> it's not a lie if I believe
0: it. Yeah, George Costanza philosophy.
1: Yeah, and 3% say, I lie often. Sorry.
0: Well, they're the, probably the biggest truth tellers in that whole list of answers are the 2.78% that say that I lie often. Yeah. Sorry, they're the probably the,
1: the most honest of the bunch. But can you believe that? People calling to try to lie about being a healthcare worker to Look, get the vaccine? How,
0: uh, I don't want to use the S word because we don't use that word in our house, but how less than intelligent do you have to be to imagine that there is a master list of people that do certain jobs in society that you would have to be cross-referenced with? Um Yeah, not not very bright. Let's put it that way.
1: I don't have any ethical issues on using that word, so I'll use it for you, Greg. It's stupid. It's stupid. It's foolish. It's selfish. It's idiotic. I can't believe it. I was I heard people joking about it yesterday. Like, hey, you think I could call and uh, just lie? But it was just they were just joking because it. Who would be that stupid? I can't believe that. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. Coming up in our next segment, Greg was watching that new Bee Gees documentary on Crave, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart. Yesterday, we very quickly mentioned it yesterday, but... There was uh, a rather surprising Winnipeg-related cameo in said documentary. Good documentary, G-Mac? Absolutely terrific.
0: If you're into music, you, I don't even think you need to be necessarily into the BGS. You just have to be familiar with their music, and I think you would enjoy, to, enjoy it. And this snippet and this
1: Winnipeg reference is less than two seconds long. Yeah. So you
0: had to be paying attention,
1: but it was pretty cool. Yeah, and, and even just watching the trailer, like I, everybody as you pointed out, knows a little bit about the Bee Gees, at least has to be familiar. I knew they were huge stars, but just watching the trailer, I didn't realize how big Mm. they were. So I am curious to watch that. So looking forward to having a chat about that. Your favorite Winnipeg cameo in our next segment. But we do want to start this half hour on... The vaccine. As the first Canadians begin receiving the first of two shots of the Pfizer COVID 19 vaccine, an Angus Reid Institute poll says a growing number of Canadians are willing to roll up their sleeves. A month ago, a plurality of Canadians, 40%, said they were keen to be vaccinated. ASAP, as opposed to wanting to wait a while first. 48% now want an immediate jab, a boost of 8%.
0: As more and more Canadians make the decision to receive the vaccine, is there a chance you may be shut out of attending certain events or not allowed to enter certain physical locations if you don't get immunized against COVID-19? Immunity passport is a term which may begin to invade our everyday language. Neil MacArthur is associate professor, director, Centre for Professional Applied ethicist at the University of Manitoba, and he suggests a different word but explains the concept.
2: The term passport can be a little misleading because, of course, we're not talking about travelling internationally, which is what you do with a normal passport. This is more like a licence that you would need to do certain kinds of activities, whether it's, yeah, to be in group situations or to go to work. I think that uh, I think the first thing that's going to be part of the conversation is, is people um, needing their immunization to go to work and to go to school and to go to university. Um, I think that um, that's the, those are the things that have the greatest social and economic impacts, because I think that if you're going to do a measure like this, which is, quite, which is quite stringent, I mean, I think there'll be some social pushback, some pushback by people, because it, a lot of people, I mean, it's one thing to say, well, I, I, I choose not to get the vaccine, so therefore I, I will face the consequences. But in a lot of cases, it's going to be people who have not been able to get the vaccine yet. They're not in the population that it's been released to, or there just hasn't been enough for them and they're still in line. And so what you're telling people is, even though you may want the vaccine, you may be willing to get it and you may be planning to get it, we're still going to impose this restriction on you and not let you do certain things. And so I think a, a lot of people will, will be very opposed to that, and they will think that's unfair and that that's a form of inequality or, or a form of discrimination, really. I mean, in our society, generally, we try not to discriminate. We try not to divide society into different groups and give certain people legal rights that others don't have. So I think that is definitely the argument that people will raise against it.
1: MacArthur joined Julian Richard on the news yesterday evening. Here's Richard Cloutier. Is it reasonable to demand
2: this in a free and democratic society. So I would say the argument, I must admit, I'm on the side of if it is necessary, then I think we should do it. I think we should have these. Because I think it's a funny thing in that What these public health measures do right now is restrict our basic liberties. And I'm not opposed to those public health measures. I think there are good reasons to restrict people's basic liberties in certain situations. This is one of them. Um, But to restrict people's liberties, you need a very good reason, and you need a very good argument. Right now the argument is because you might infect somebody if you go out, and you might be spreading the disease. But um, if you've been immunized, then that argument doesn't exist. You are not at risk. And so to say to someone, well, Um, We're going to restrict your basic liberties. We're going to tell you you can't go where you want. You can't go to work. You can't go to school. You can't be educated um, because it might make other people feel bad or because other people don't have access to it. Uh, I think that becomes more difficult. I think that it is too bad that we can't just immunize people right now. But if we have to restrict people's basic liberties, we should do it to the minimum amount of people and we should do it only where it's necessary.
1: Now, one of the scenarios which has been discussed is where you may be required to have proof of vaccination to attend large gatherings like concerts and sporting events. Is this ethical? Is this legal?
2: There may be a big difference between, for instance, um, being able to, you know, move about freely in the society versus being able to go to a sports game. I mean, uh, you know, there's a question of whether, first of all, people have the right to do certain things that, you know, we expect a society to allow them to do. And then there are certain things that I don't know if you want to call them privileges, but there's certain things that are, you know, there's nobody would say you have a right to go to a Jets game, and so. Uh, We might say, well, you may have the right to, you know, walk the streets freely and go to stores and so on, but you may not have the right to be in a group situation or something like that. So you might get divisions like that. And I think the courts, you know, I don't want to try to guess what the courts would say in a difficult case like this, but I think the courts might be open to thinking that, you know, there are some activities that uh, are more uh, amenable to these passports than others.
0: So how do you feel about this? The text messages are already coming in unsolicited, as you might imagine, Brett, at 204-780-6868. How do you feel about this? In the case where everyone has had the opportunity to get the vaccine, is it reasonable to restrict access to certain events or institutions based on whether or not you have been vaccinated And the other question I want to ask, Brett, and I think this is one that might have people thinking a little bit differently. If you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, would being prohibited from attending something like a football game sway you towards getting it?
1: Well, we've asked the question on our 680 CJOB Instagram, if you would love... We would love for you to follow us there, by the way, at 680-CJOB. But yeah, the question, just what Greg said, if you're on the fence about getting vaccinated, would being prohibited from going to things like restaurants, concerts, and football games sway you towards getting it? And so far, it's two to one in favor of yes. And I, I would be okay with these restrictions, as you pointed out, once everyone has had the opportunity to get the vaccine. If I go to a restaurant and I'm still waiting in line to get my vaccine... And they say, sorry, you can't come in until you get the vaccine. Well, why should I be punished because of wherever I happen to be in line for that? But if the opportunity has come and gone and there's still a whole bunch of people who are saying, nope, I don't want the vaccine, then, yeah, I kind of think I'm okay with that. Like I saw something on Twitter that sort of really summed it up for me yesterday. It was, uh, I can't remember who posted it, but the line was, uh, guy says... I'm not, putting, I'm not getting the vaccine. I don't know what's in it. Interesting to hear that coming from the same person who's excited for the return of the McRib.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? There are all sorts of contradictions in our lives and, and we live them and we do them uh, in, in our own world and in our own decisions. Uh, but let's face it, uh, private enterprise does have the right to restrict entry and basically for any reason. So I would suggest that whether you've been vaccinated or not could be on that list. I don't know. I understand why people would be bothered by it. I can understand why people might even be angry about it. But as someone who's prepared to get the vaccine as soon as my name is called, uh, yeah, I just, I, I understand why that might be the approach that some businesses, some institutions have to take. Until this thing is eradicated, until it's not a factor any longer.
1: So does it become then no shirt, no shoes, no shot, no service? It just could. Mackling and McGarry, McNabb is back next week. Gonna to try to play something here off of Twitter at gmacwpg from that new BGs documentary that aired over the weekend on Crave. How do you mend a broken heart? Charlie Steiner, 99X, okay, I gotta turn Monday, this down. A
3: very busy day coming into town.
1: I'm working at a top forty station in New York, Big One WXLO, but it was known as 99X, and I was the morning news guy. Most radio stations had a very small playlist. And the
2: Bee Gees probably had the top four, top five hits any given week. 13 CFRW, music of the Bee Gees and tragedy. Whoa, whoa. Any given week. <laughs>
0: 13 CFRW, music of the Bee Gees and tragedy. There it is. It's subtle, but it's right there in your face once you see it, once you hear it. And I had to rewind it just like you did right there, Brett. 13 CFRW, an AM staple in Winnipeg for years, mentioned audio from back in the late 70s playing Bee Gees music as uh, every radio station it seems needed to at that day as was outlined in that clip. That's pretty cool to see that mention of all the radio stations in North America. Like, why would they have that clip? Yeah. Where would it live? How would the producers have found it? But it was really neat to see it.
1: So we want to ask you at 204-780-6868, what's your favorite Winnipeg or Manitoba cameo, whether it's in movies or TV or... If you want to stretch it further into the real world, let's say you're on vacation somewhere. Let's say you're like Kelly Moore down in Zewataneo in Mexico or whatever, wherever it is you go, Kelly, and someone <laughs> sits down at the bar across from you wearing a Brandon Wheat King's hat just at random. Text us that kind of story for your chance to win a car pass for Canada's Winter Wonderland. So let's go around the horn here. we got Kelly Moore, producer Jeff Forte, Jeff Braun. Kelly, why don't we start with you?
4: Well, in the area where we do winter, which is, uh, well, where we uh, were wintering until the pandemic, uh, La Panita and Guayabitos last year, the uh, uh, casita that we stayed in, right across the street, and this was in uh, a place called Guayabitos, I guess there are, is a group of Flynn who come down there every year. And uh, so when we uh, were walking out to catch a cab to go for dinner, all of a sudden we see this place across the street from us, and there's Winnipeg Jets flags flying from it. And uh, I, I can't remember if there was a truck there with a Manitoba plate on it or not, but uh, we uh, we eventually found out that's where uh, that's where the group of flint Flawners hang out at. So. That was kind of cool.
1: That is cool when you get that nice local. I mean, part of being yeah. on vacation is to get away from home. <laughs> and All the yahoos from where yeah, you live. But yet yeah. when you get that in, that local connection, you make that instant connection with somebody and they can become your friends for the rest of the trip. Uh, Jeff Braun, what about you? Uh, I, I chose a TV show, as you might expect, and it brought a clip. It's from Get Smart, and it comes as Don Adams studies a map on the wall, which is covered in pins to show where all the chaos agents are. I'm just trying to figure something out. You see, the position of all these chaos agents can be explained, all except one. Which one is that? Now, what's this guy
3: doing up here in Manitoba? <laughs> he was holding the map up
1: (laughs) that's That's a good clip
3: I just like that clip
1: classic Jeff Fortier you got one? mine is also a classic and uh, of course one of my favorite cartoons everyone knows this clip so uh, let me just fire it off here you kids
3: can't keep your heads to yourself (laughs) I'm gonna turn this car around and there'll be no Cape Canaveral for anybody that's it Back to Winnipeg!
2: <laughs> just a classic clip. I love
1: it. it. It is. They And they love their Winnipeg references on uh, Well, on a lot of TV shows, right? Winnipeg seems to have become like this character, and I think it's almost just a friendly nod to Canadians watching. Uh, what about you, G-Mac?
0: Well, you know, you talk about the Simpsons, and when they come north uh, to buy cheap prescription drugs... The, the street signs, the highway destination signs to Gimli. It looks, you can tell they're right on the perimeter. And, of course, it's the welcome to Winnipeg sign that says, we were born here. What's your excuse?
3: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes.
0: <laughs> so uh, Winnipeg makes an appearance several times. But using your extension, I was going to play a, a clip from Matt about you. A, a, just a simple passing thing uh, about, you know, what do I look like? I'm fr- Do I look like I'm from Winnipeg in, in a movie lineup in terms of, you know, I'm not a schmuck you know you you can't pull the wool over my eyes but when i was in chicago about eight nine years ago of course i was at a at a a pub murphy's bleachers outside the fence outside the walls of wrigley field i had a winnipeg jets t-shirt on and some guys from new jersey were standing not far away from us and we were throwing jabs verbal jabs back and forth and um I get this, hey, Winnipeg, <laughs> and they point to the bar, and there is Chris Chelios on the bar with the Stanley Cup. Wow. So I make my way towards the bar, and Chelios points at me and goes, hey, Winnipeg, this is as close as you're ever going to get. <laughs> Pours a beer in the cup, and I drink a beer out of the Stanley Cup with ch- Chris Chelios courtesy my Winnipeg Jets t-shirt.
1: Wow. Oh, no way. That's a great story, g G-Max. Mackling and McGarry. McNabb is back next week. And we want to visit a couple of topics here. We want to talk about this immunity proposal thing based on a question of the day at CJOB.com brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace 204-832-6243. The question is, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccine would being prohibited from going to restaurants, concerts, or football games, change your mind. And at CJOB.com, so far, the early results have the yeses uh, leading the way at uh, 73%. 27% say no. And Greg, I got an email. hear from jennifer listener jennifer at brett at cjob.com i recall hearing a doctor on the radio just a few days ago doctor said that even those who have the vaccine are still able to transmit the virus i have held the speculation that one could receive a vaccination against any sort of virus and still maintain the capacity to transmit just because one is inoculated for an illness does not mean they are not capable of breathing in the covid germs picking them up via their hands and then subsequently spreading those germs to others Please tell me your thoughts on this. Well, my response to that is my thoughts are ever-changing. You know, we're going to get hammered with info on this vaccine in the coming mm-hmm. days, weeks, months. Loren was speaking on this last week. You know, it turns out some people are violently allergic to it. How many people are going to be affected by this? Will there be an alternative for those who are impacted this way? It's going to be months, I'm sure, before I can even get in line for my shot. So for me, I just got to be patient to see how it unfolds.
0: Yeah, well, you know, they're all different places that we enter and whether we realize it or not, there's certain criteria that we need to meet in order to do that. How would we feel about making it mandatory for you to have the vaccine if you're entering the country from another country? Why don't we start from the outside coming in? Would that be something you would be in favor of? And if you are in favor of that, then ask yourself, You know, in my mind, do you have a job where you have to take a drug test? Lots of places where you have to subject or be willing to be subjected to a drug test in certain circumstances. Lots of private clubs where you have there's dress code, conduct code, a variety of other qualifications for you to enter just because you want to go in doesn't mean you can. Businesses reserve the right to not serve anyone for any reason. That is something that's sort of understood in particular in the restaurant business and those same people working within the restaurant industry, you might want to consume as many cocktails as you want. Well, guess what? You're not free to do that either. Yep. Right? As a bartender, as a server, I have to make sure that I'm looking out for you, even though you might want to have eight double crown royals and Coke. I can't legally serve you that. You might want to have it. But there is a limitation to what I'm able to do as a server server or as a bartender. And then life insurance. You have to have, for a lot of uh, life insurances, you have to have a medical exam in order to qualify to purchase the product. So this isn't about the government making it mandatory. This is about the rights of private organizations, your workplace, maybe the building that you live in to make this mandatory in order for you to enter. Will it happen? We don't know but it has to be something that is being considered. This was in the news, what, about six, seven weeks ago, Live Nation, Ticketmaster. I think they were the first ones that brought this up. And the fact that, They're banding about the uh, notion that you might have to prove that you've been vaccinated to attend one of their sanctioned events.
1: So feel free to let us know what you think, 204-780-6868, or you can email mackling at cjob.com or brett at cjob.com. Also, we're talking about Winnipeg or Manitoba cameos. Over the weekend, Greg's watching the new Bee Gees documentary, How Do You Mend a Broken Heart, and in there, they're talking about how Every radio station had to play the Bee Gees because they had four or five songs in the top 10. And they did a little montage of radio stations from across North America. And one of them was an old Winnipeg radio station, 13 CFRW, an unexpected Winnipeg cameo of all the radio stations they could have grabbed. (laughs) They find this old clip. So here's a text. At 204-780-6868, the kids got very excited on the weekend when we were watching Frosty Returns. And at the end, it says, next stop, Winnipeg. Nice town, plenty of parking space, lots of cocoa. The kids got excited (laughs) and wanted to go see Frosty. Had to explain to them it was just a cartoon. We've had several text messages reminding us about
0: the episode of The Office when they come to Winnipeg. And one of our listeners said that the Welcome to Winnipeg sign was spelled with only one N. Oh, I believe when you two came here back in May of 2011, they spelled Winnipeg W I N N E P E G on their giant rotating sign that okay. hung above the digital sign above <laughs> above the stage and uh, it was circulating the different places that they had been. I don't know if they ever got around to fixing that. And then we're also sort of stretching it out a little bit in order for you to maybe share some of your Winnipeg experiences. You're out repping Winnipeg and you bump into somebody because you are proudly and loudly wearing your Winnipeg stuff Your Jets, your bombers, your gold eyes. Uh, Greg says, oddest Winnipeg moment was in 2005. I was in Amsterdam celebrating Queen's Day with tens of thousands of other Europeans. Saw a fellow in the crowd wearing a Timu Solani Jets jersey. Mind you, this is pre-Jets 2.0. Turned out he was a Finn. He was a huge Solani fan. We had a few drinks with the dude over our common connection. Definitely one to remember.
1: That is cool when you bump into people from Winnipeg or Manitoba, uh, just at random when you're on vacation. That's one of the fun. Although there are certain spots where you expect it, right? Like when sure. you go to Las Vegas,
0: yeah, and you've been on a charter with yeah. three hundred people or two hundred people, how many uh, fit on the aircraft? Yeah, you know you're going to bump into some of those people.
1: Yeah. So when you bump when you when you go to a busy place, a high traffic place, and everybody's wearing their, you know, their, it's clearly a tourist location. So you know you're going to eventually see somebody wearing a bomber jersey or a jets hat uh but it's neat like if this one my brother was taking a caravan tour of new zealand when they stopped for lunch in a small town their young daughter spotted the jets logo cell phone cover on another diner's phone that's neat
0: (laughs) absolutely it is uh uh, dave grohl real quick tells the story about why he got back into music after the death of kurt cobain He was just out touring around. I think it was in Ireland. Saw somebody with their Nirvana t-shirt on and said, yeah, you know what? We've had impact all around the world. I need to get back in the studio.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah,
0: so you just never know,
1: right? Thank goodness he spotted that shirt. We want to talk about how earlier this hour, our good friend Ken Talbot from Transolutions Truck Centers was here to discuss the incredible generosity Manitobans showed again in filling the freight liner for Silo Mission. We know the need for those less fortunate in our city is as great as it's been in an awfully long time, if not ever before.
0: Yeah, getting donated resources to those who need them is a massive job, Brett. You can get the donations, but how do you get the community you're trying to serve the items that they need. Well, since launching their COVID nineteen emergency response program back in March of 2020, hundreds of staff and volunteers associated with our next guest and the organization she represents have carefully packed and delivered more than one hundred thousand food hampers to Winnipegers experiencing food and income insecurity. Marion McKenzie operation operations manager with Mama Way here in Winnipeg. Good morning, Marion. Good
3: morning. How are you today?
0: Uh, always terrific, uh, especially when we're talking to great people like you and the the things that Thank that you. you're doing. These numbers are absolutely eye opening. Before we get to them, tell us about your organization and the members of our
3: community that it serves. Well, we've been around since 1984. We consider ourselves a grandmother a grandmother within the community. We are one of the largest community-directed Indigenous-led family support services organization. We deliver um, community-based programming to Indigenous youth, children, families. So it's quite, uh, we could go on for hours talking about everything that we do.
1: 104,786 food kits delivered to people in the community, 3,786 yes. baby supply kits for over 44,000 kits to children, over 11,000 personal care kits. You mentioned the word hours. I. It's tough to imagine the number of hours that went in, not just uh-huh. to assembling those kits, but then delivering them.
3: Absolutely. It's, been unbelievable our teams have been working nonstop, and this is what they do we've you know had to change our model of delivering services directly to community through our programming and now our community care sites have been to you know call centers taking in the uh, the requests from community and Most often, they're spending a lot of time talking to community because they've been, you know, stuck at at home and not being able to get out and, you know, socialize with their friends or other community members. So, you know, we've been doing double duty while we're not delivering the same kind of programming we did in the past. We are still providing an essential service of connectivity to to the community and keeping people connected together.
0: So I was interacting with a listener the other day and I was reminiscing about my days as a milkman back in my early twenties, uh, <laughs> Marion. And uh, one of the places that I would go on a regular basis would be there, there was a, uh, there was a personal care home on my route and I would go on Mondays. And if you were five minutes late, boy, did you hear about it? But in yes. retrospect, 30 years later, I realized that I might've been for some of those people in that building, the only friendly face that they might see that entire day or maybe that entire week. And so that notion of that connection right now with a familiar face is probably as powerful as it's ever been.
3: Absolutely. So often, I mean, our delivery service that we do is, it is curbside. You know, we are delivering to the door. We're not going in but more often than not, you have people coming out to the door and they're trying to get there as quick as they can so they can say thank you, they can say hello, they can have some sort of communication with with others.
1: Uh, if somebody listening right now wants to get involved and, and help out, whether it's uh, by providing goods or perhaps maybe joining the delivery uh, team, whatever, how does one get involved?
3: Well, they can contact our office at 204-925-0300. And we have the need for delivery for our Christmas hamper drive, which is this Saturday at our 445 King location. And then we have our delivery service that we're doing six days a week at 575 Larson. They can call to uh, help and deliver some hampers. Really, they don't have to come in. We It's all social distance, so it's very, very safe. We They pull up, they tell us how many hampers they want to deliver, our team will bring them out, put them in their vehicle, provide them any additional PPE if they require, and then they've got the location they drop off at and they ring the doorbell or call a phone number and the uh, family will come out and gather um, the box off their step.
0: I'm going to spell out uh, the website, M-A-M-A-W-I, Mama com. And uh, before we let you run here, Marion, there have to be uh, some thank yous you'd like to throw out, uh, some people, some individuals, maybe some corporations that are doing uh, yeoman's work in terms of making this all possible.
3: You know, we have so many community partners, you know, the Winnipeg Foundation, United Way, Harvest, the province of Manitoba. I could go on for hours about that, but really the true heroes are those that are volunteering, but our staff that have completely shifted on a dime and have been not doing their original work that came on board to do and are packing these hampers every single day and doing it with really the families in mind. They are the true heroes here.
1: Marion McKenzie is Operations Manager with Mama Away here in Winnipeg, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Thank you so much, Marion. We appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Take care.
1: Kling and McGarry, McNabb back next week. We have a $25 gift certificate to give away for Manitoba turkey producers for Granny's Poultry Products. Of course, we're doing this right around, as you like to say, Greg, around our lunchtime. Mm-hmm. I uh, snagged a picture from the Manitoba turkey producers' Instagram for our story. And, oh, boy. It uh, looks delicious. It looks delicious. So uh, now I'm hungry for turkey, particularly turkey skin.
0: I have uh, I have a mandarin orange here, if you'd like it. No, that's not going to that's not not going to cut, cut it.
1: it. No, turkey skin over mandarin. Well, I hey, mandarin oranges are great. They are, but when you're craving turkey, not so much. Mm, I feel bad now. I'm finishing the last of my steak that I brought for lunch today. Don't feel bad. That's your lunch. Mm. I'm a grown man. I can bring the lunch All if right. I want to. Okay, I, but uh, I'll bring I,
0: you extra tomorrow.
1: <laughs> don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Here's a trivia question. <laughs> According to a recent study, men start turning into their fathers. <laughs> Sorry. (laughs) At the age of 38. Yes. What is the number one (laughs) sign a man is becoming his dad? Oh. Wayne.
2: (laughs) Oh, oh boy. (laughs) Losing her hair?
1: No. No. That's a good Mm, guess, mm -hmm. though. That's a good guess, but that's not it. That's not it. Liz, men start turning into their dad at the age of 38. What's the number one sign a man is becoming his dad?
5: Uh, they start talking alike?
1: No, no. I thought you were going to say talking in their sleep or something. Uh, but no, that's a a good guess. Chris, do you know what it is, Chris?
2: I'm going to say going bald.
1: Nope. Has nothing to do with one's hair. Is it a a physical characteristic of some sort? Sort of. Sort of.
0: Sorry, I'm not trying to, uh, intercede
1: here. No, no, we can gently nudge things along,
4: Gary yeah, is it like making like dad noises
1: <laughs> uh, well there's the pot- there's the potential for dad noises to occur, uh, but that's not it.
4: <laughs> oh, oh, these
3: are good
1: <laughs> Christine, do you know what it is? How
3: about a pot belly?
1: a pot belly mm. no, no, not the pot belly. <laughs> I'm touching that one. Tracy, do you know what it
3: is? Uh, telling stories of his childhood?
1: No. But, it, like, are you talking about, like, once when, the, a the man gets to the back-in-my-day part of his life?
3: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Well, four months to school every day. And-
1: uh, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's not it.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't last an hour back
0: in my day. You would have been fired weeks ago back in my day.
1: Leslie, what's the number one sign a man is becoming his dad?
2: don't listen to anybody
1: no no not li- it doesn't have to do with that uh, I guess the first hint will be this is um, you could say it's an action
4: okay Glenn do you know uh, what it is falling asleep watching TV in the living
1: room Ooh. can you say that again Glenn oh. I did it again I said CJ O'Bree earlier and now I just said do it or tell it that a uh, Glenn. Uh, Glenn Glenn what did, what did you say uh, falling asleep, sitting, sitting in, the, sitting in fittings. You, sir, are correct. Nice falling asleep done, in the living Glenn. room slash recliner slash couch. That oh, would have been, my, that eventually would have been my hint that I do this all the time. <laughs> so Glenn, congratulations. Do you fall asleep in the living room, couch, recliner?
4: No, I don't actually, but my, uh. My father-in-law did, and all my brother-in-laws do. (laughs)
1: Wow. Okay. Well, hey, uh, congratulations. You get yourself the $25 gift certificate for Manitoba turkey producers. Oh, great. Thanks very much. Stand by, Glenn, and uh, maybe you can eat that turkey and then fall asleep because the turkey makes one sleepy. Yesterday, Greg, I, I don't know how... I fell asleep in this position on my couch, and I was remember fighting to get myself off the couch because I could feel it coming on, like, oh, I'm getting tired. I should stand up. But I was essentially a plank. Like I was sort of leaned back on the couch, and my legs were hanging off of the couch, like completely straight. I'm watching
0: you on the camera on yeah. the TV right now.
1: So I'm I'm essentially like a 45-degree <laughs> plank. <laughs> oh, and like that gap behind your
0: back? Yeah. Oh, that's good. That That's really comfortable. Oh, it, somehow it was. Why did it, you get there in the first place?
1: I think it was because I was trying to slowly slide myself off of the couch. <laughs> I think I figured if I inch myself Slithering towards the edge, off the couch. that I'd eventually get up. But my <laughs> my head was kind of plopped just between the two cushions, uh, and I, I, I passed out for about forty five minutes. And you got locked in. And, well, that's almost the operative word because when I woke up, it was I could barely move. My yeah, back was so stiff that I thought I was going to snap. When I stood up. But. So anyway, yes, I can fall asleep almost on command yeah. sitting up on my couch.
0: Yeah, that's not, just, uh, a, that's not a just a radio thing either, is it?
1: No, no, it's not. I, I mean, I have fallen asleep in this, not in this studio, but uh, in uh, other studios in our facilities oh, yeah. before. In the middle
0: of a reading a newscast. Didn't that happen
1: once? <laughs> oh, multiple times. Yeah. When yeah. I used to work that Saturday and Sunday morning shift, I would fall asleep while playing a clip. Yeah. I'd play a 15-second clip, fall asleep.
0: I remember the exact moment I realized I was turning into my dad. Yeah. Ross is probably listening right now. I was tying skates for one of the boys, and my dad used to do this thing when we played outdoor hockey when I started playing with his scarf and he'd hold he'd hold the scarf with his (laughs) chin. Yeah. And then he'd be tying the skates, you know? Yeah. And I could feel like I was my dad. And I was like, whoa! Jackies, tie these skates. I'm out.
1: When it comes to social media, it's no secret. Greg loves the Twitters, at GMACWPG. You can follow him on Twitter. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Brett McGarry. Uh, I'm not on Twitter nearly as much as Greg. But I do like to spend a lot of time on... The Instantgram, as I like to call it. I know it's Instagram. I, I just like to make myself sound old with that. But I really <laughs> do like Instagram. Would love for you to follow the radio station, by the way, on Instagram, at 680CJOB. And you can also follow us at GMACWPG or at Brett McGarry, uh, especially if you want uh, updates on uh, the various takeout orders I, I, I get. They, they always end up in the form of a boomerang or something on It's Instagram. a virtual
0: uh, menu. Yeah. On your Instagram yeah. account.
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. But I do like to peruse Instagram, uh, especially because if you're like looking for local gift ideas, Instagram is an awesome place for that. And one great place, if you don't know where to start is Third and Bird. We've spoken to them over the years about their huge markets that they do every spring and every Christmas, and they have pop-up markets through the year where they get a whole bunch of local makers and creators to come together to sell their wares or offer their services. But yesterday, I was uh, saddened and angered when I saw what was happening with Third and Bird, because it seems somebody is using their likeness to target people, Greg, for scams. Shandra Kremsky is the founder of Third and Bird, joins us now. Shandra, good morning.
5: Good morning.
0: Well, I wish we were uh, having you join us for uh, much better, happier times, better news. What the heck's happening here?
5: Yeah, I woke up yesterday to my text message and my direct message on Instagram inbox just exploding with people saying, oh my goodness, you've been, you've been hacked. And I was like, oh my word. And, you know, logged on and sure enough someone had made five fake accounts in my likeness with using my photos, personal photos of my face and other various photos and, and, just using the same word third and bird, but maybe just doing like a double I or a double N or a double D. So it's very difficult to catch, you know, that small little detail. And um, we're, you know, doing a big giveaway. We're just trying to give back to the community and just, you know, bring a little Christmas spirit to everyone as we could all just use a little bit of that right now. And instead of it being just like this fun, joyous event, it has turned into a nightmare because not only are they uh doing stuff in my likeness, they are scamming people for their credit cards, telling them that Thurdenberg chose them and they need to click this account or this link in order to secure their prize. And so because, you know, when you trust a brand, you, you go with it. And um, and from that point, you know, their Apple IDs are being stolen, credit cards, everything. It's awful.
1: So how much have people been victimized by this or have, have had money stolen from them?
5: So far, money stolen has been up up to $7,000. Um, Apple ID accounts have been, they've been locked out of Apple ID accounts, which we all know, you know, stores a lot of personal information on there as well. Um, locked out of email accounts. And, you know, some of these people are small business owners. And so one lady wrote in and she is so gracious. She's like, this is not your fault. I should have known better. But it's like, no, like, you know, she trusted you know, that she won because this person truly stole my identity on all the likeness of my account. And um, she's a small business. And so she's had to she's already lost so much this year. And now she's losing that much more because she can't process any orders because this person has taken everything, all of her identity. So the police are helping her right now. And what a mess.
0: So she's not only uh, sacrificed uh, potentially some very uh, personal information about herself and her business, she's also in the situation where she can't take any orders right now because this has crippled her business? Correct. Oh, my goodness. I, I mean, how do, you, how do you combat this? What, what do you do? Have you received any advice? Uh, what, what are you telling folks that are reaching out, out to you, Chandra?
5: Yeah, so basically just using my voice as much as possible, just, you know, reminding people and, you know, it's in the post and it's in, you know, Instagram stories. I always tell people, if you ever do a giveaway or participate in anything over social media, always know that no one would ever ask you for personal information, including myself. You never have to give a credit card to claim a prize, Um, you know, if you are a winner of a prize, like the most information that someone would ever ask you for is an email address where, you know, a bigger conversation can be had, you know, outside of the social media, you know, DMs. And so um, it's just trying to inform people that it's like that these are scams. Please pay attention to the account. Um, If someone's asking you for a credit card or to go borrow a friend's credit card, that should alarm you right away that that's You know, not right. And um, yeah, like, you know, we're reporting these accounts as fake, but, you know, unfortunately, um, it's taking Instagram a very long time. We've been reporting this for 24 hours now and all five accounts are still live and active and still actively going after people.
1: Scams, of course, fake accounts, nothing new. They exist on other social media platforms. For years, I've heard of people getting hacked on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. There are all kinds of bots on things like Tinder. Uh, But I don't, don't know that I've heard of this particular kind of scam on Instagram. So is this kind of thing new?
5: I feel like it's really ramping up. Um, this is the second time it has happened to me, and um, I know that a couple of bigger, you know, companies have reached out to me on the um, yesterday saying that this has happened to them too, and that they feel that, you know, once you hit a certain amount of followers you just get targeted really heavily uh, by these scam accounts and they just wait for you to do a giveaway and the moment you do they're ready to go they have all their fake accounts up and ready and and they just are relentless with with it
0: so like our small and growing businesses need another obstacle in their way. In terms of staying relevant and and remaining profitable and relevant in these times, and now you've got to worry about now you you've reached that tipping point where you're so popular and people recognize your name, Chandra, that that it's going to entice some people and have them do some things that that they wouldn't do under normal circumstances.
5: Absolutely. And it's just like this battle that you don't know quite how to fight. And, you know, we're doing everything we can. Like I said, you know, we've gotten the police involved to make sure that this woman's identity stays protected, um, you know, from these people who have scammed. Um, But yeah, like it all I can do is exactly this, which is just warn people Do your due diligence. Be very, very careful. You know, when you do enter giveaways, make sure that you're doing it with brands that you trust and always know that you never give any personal information out, especially over social media DMs. And do not click on links.
1: Shandra Kremsky, the founder of Third and Bird, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Shandra, thanks for taking some time to tell us about this. This uh, sucks. Hopefully Instagram gets involved uh, sooner than later. Thank you. It is 9.15 on 680 CJOB. And indeed, she's got uh, 51.4 thousand followers Hmm. on Instagram. Uh, For some context, I have 1,290. Yeah, there you go. And so it's uh, that dangerous uh, territory that you end up
0: roaming. Now you're popular enough, you're a recognized name, but... I'm sure Shandra doesn't have an entire team of IT experts scouring the internet, making sure that people aren't doing this. So it's just one more drain on resources, human and
1: otherwise. Yeah, it sucks. So just be careful with this kind of thing, as she pointed out. Greg clicked on the link from the so-called Netflix thing yesterday. Didn't get far enough.
0: I hope not. I did give them my, I did type in my username and password though,
1: so. But you changed it right away.
0: I did change it right away. So I'm hoping that, you know, I didn't give out any uh, financial information or anything, but yeah, who knows? There might be, people all over North America trying to use that information to get into my account
1: right now. Well, and that happened to me a few years back. I was dealing with a situation with Revenue Canada uh, over my taxes because I made a mistake and I had to go. I had to fix it. And uh, I was anticipating the end result of it, of what the adjustment would be, and I got an email at work and the number on this thing from, purporting to be from Revenue Canada was in the ballpark number I was expecting, Jeez. but I just thought this just seems fishy. So I called them and they said, yeah, that's, that's not us. So that's unreal. Yeah. Yeah. Just a, just a fluke. I think. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. We have a Manitoba Turkey Producers $25 gift card to give away based on your Winnipeg cameos, whether it's something you saw in television, in movies, or in real life. Greg, why don't you read this runner-up here from Africa before we announce our winner.
0: Winnipeg small world story. So my daughter was in Kenya a couple of years ago. Part of her trip was a tour of a tea plantation about an hour or two outside of Nairobi. A member of her group heard that there was another person, a woman, from Winnipeg there that day. Within about a half an hour, my daughter spoke to that person. Not only were they both from Winnipeg, the woman was a student teacher... In my daughter's class at Glenlawn Collegiate. What are the odds? I just love it. I, uh, somebody's got to calculate those odds.
1: Here is our winning tax tour today September 2017. My wife and I, are traveling through Newfoundland, stopped for the night in Cowhead for the night on our way to Lance-aux-Meadows to see the Viking settlement. We check into our hotel room to go for supper in the attached restaurant. There's only one other couple in the restaurant. Then a group of six people come in. Staff ask us if they can take two of our chairs for for their table, which, of course, we say yes. We start a small conversation with the three couples, find out they are also from Manitoba, then from the Oakbank area. One asks if we have kids that go to school. I reply yes, but that was back in the 90s and early 2000s as this gentleman and I talk. It dawns on me, it is Mr. Humphrey, my son's grade three teacher, whom my son adored. I text a picture of Mr. Humphrey and myself to my son and asked him who he was. And my son, within five minutes, sent a picture of Mr. Humphrey and himself back almost 20 years later. We're all from the Oak Bank, Cook's Creek, Hazel Ridge area. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that story. Mackling and McGarry McNabb back next week. Just before we introduce our next guest, Greg, I want to give an update on the question of the day at CJOB.com. And the question of the day is brought to you by Mr. Furnace. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. Question is, if you're on the fence about getting the vaccine, would being prohibited from going to restaurants, concerts or football games change your mind? because Richard started talking yesterday about the immunity passport idea, and we continue that conversation this morning. We're getting lots of feedback at 204-780-6868. And at CJOB.com, we have 55% saying no, and 45% saying yes. So that's at CJOB.com. Different results on our social media platforms. On Instagram, it's about two to one. In favor of yes, and on Twitter it's uh, 68% yes, 32% no.
0: Yeah, that's uh, not uncommon that we have that divide between the different platforms. So, Uh, And I apologize, we've just had so many text messages this morning. My machine is running extra slow today. I'm trying to interact with as many of you as I can, but with Lorraine away and extra responsibilities for both Brett and I. If you haven't heard back from us, it's not that we're not reading your text messages, just Sometimes we just cannot get to them. So thank you for the interaction. It means more to us than we can express. And it doesn't matter if you agree with us or not. And I don't know if we, you and I really expressed an opinion on this one. Like I've said that I'll take the vaccine as soon as I can. Yep, same here. But I think for the most part, it's been a just as this is what we might encounter. And I can tell you most definitely right now, there are businesses, there are corporations in Winnipeg where you actually have to fill out an online survey before you can even go into work. And it goes, goes pretty deep into what you're experiencing in terms of your present health conditions. So it's happening already to a certain extent, whether this uh, immunity passport becomes a reality, uh, I, we don't know for sure, but you can be rest assured that it is being discussed in boardrooms across the world
1: right now. And we appreciate the discussion that you are having with us, and keep that coming. You can text us 204 or email brett at cjob.com or mackling at cjob.com. <laughs> It is time to discuss another Unsolved Manitoba mystery, this time from 1991. Last month, Manitoba Associations of Chiefs of Police launched a feature on their website, macp.mb.ca, called Unsolved Mystery Fridays, and uh, we actually featured... One of those mysteries a month ago here on this program because they're working with Crime Stoppers to spread the message.
0: Yeah, so while driving west on Portage Avenue approaching the Empress Street underpass, you will notice two large paintings, two murals, on one on either side of the CPR bridge. The paintings are by Tom Andrich. Depict, they put, depict 10 young women from Manitoba's Indigenous community who were murdered or are missing. Unveiled in 2011, Never Forgotten, is a reminder of the continuing national tragedy of Canada's missing and murdered Indigenous women and girls. Glenda Morisot is in the centre of the picture on the right side of the bridge, and that's who we are focusing on today, Brett.
1: Detective Sergeant Tom Mackay is the Police Coordinator for Winnipeg Crime Stoppers, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Detective Sergeant, thanks for joining us once again. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So who was Glenda Moroso? for those who need a refresher?
4: Well, I can tell you that uh, she was a 19-year-old female. Uh, and this, like you already mentioned, this this incident goes back to July of 1991. Uh, it was believed that she was last seen alive on July 17th in 1991, uh, when she was seen hitchhiking in front of a hotel on Logan Avenue. A family member had reported her missing a few days later. The investigation led police to believe that she may have gotten into an older, full-sized station wagon that at the time was being operated by a a middle-aged male. Unfortunately, her body was discovered almost a month later in a field in the St. Boniface area. Uh, However, because of the amount of time that had passed, it was difficult to determine the exact cause of death, although it does seem likely that it was blunt uh, force trauma to the head that... uh, caused her to meet her end, but that's one thing that was certain is that she did suffer a violent end, as uh, this was indicated by the extent of her injuries. The investigation also concluded that it was possible that, or most likely, that Glenda was killed somewhere else and that her body was left in the field sometime after her death. Uh, Also note uh, that the investigation mentions that the station wagon had some yellow seat covers, and that they may contain some physical evidence. So I guess ultimately, police are hoping that something about this case, such as a, you know a station wagon with yellow seat covers, might stand out in somebody's memory, and that this might lead them to call the police or call us at Winnipeg Crime Stoppers.
0: Detective Sergeant, I, I mean, we're going back here nine, twenty-nine years for this case. And uh, with regard to this case specifically, and may, maybe many others, there's a belief at the beginning you're going to be able to solve this, but time really is the enemy in a lot of situations. Can you talk about that a little bit with regard to evidence and, and how it may deteriorate or disappear?
4: Well, I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Time is the enemy, and any time you're dealing with physical evidence, the more time that passes, the more you risk losing that that opportunity to uh, to capture that evidence. And so 29 years later, I mean, that certainly presents a significant challenge uh, in terms of that. So uh, I I can't really say that, you know, there's some 100% guarantee that if we got our hands on that station wagon today that we'd be able to absolutely solve this. But it would be a starting point and it would be something to get police going uh, back in the right direction. Uh, Even, you know, after this much time that has passed, if those fibers, those seat covers have been left untouched, uh, there's still the possibility that they could recover some uh, physical evidence such as, you know, blood samples uh, from that vehicle. So that would obviously be crucial in building a case.
1: So when a crime like this, when a case like this goes unsolved for decades, uh, you mentioned the the car, are there any other sorts of things that could provide a fresh lead?
4: Uh, well, I mean, certainly, you know, somebody who's confessed to somebody about uh, what had happened. Um, you know, and that person may, for whatever reason, have sat on that information all these years. But perhaps hearing this and that fact that this hasn't gone away and that police are still trying to so- solve this, you know, for the sake of uh, Miss Moroso's family and herself, um, that might motivate them to actually come forward at this point.
0: How, you know, I think I've got a pretty good memory uh, when it comes to certain things, and then, you know, you see a picture or maybe you're fortunate enough to see some video from from that point in time that, that you think you remember uh, something. How good is our memory overall, uh, Detective Sergeant Mackay?
4: Well, I can tell you that as more time passes, uh, the more we do tend to forget. We're certainly, when it's a a critical or a traumatic incident, you are going to remember the, the key points. You're going to remember very important pieces of information. But unfortunately, the, the human memory just doesn't allow us to capture every single detail, which is why when you do investigate a crime, uh, you try and get the the witness accounts as soon as possible while it's as fresh in their mind as possible.
1: Glenda Moroso was a 19-year-old student at R.B. Russell School. She was from Manitoba, Sagine, First Nation, and lived with her mother and stepfather in Winnipeg. Has Crime Stoppers had success with helping solve cases involving missing and murdered Indigenous women in the past?
4: Well, the position that we find ourselves in in Crime Stoppers is that uh, as much as we would love to be able to come forward and, and take credit for a lot of our successes, the nature of our business really doesn't allow for that. I can tell you that we have certainly uh, had a large hand in solving a number of murders uh, over the years. In fact, I'm not sure the exact number off the top of my head, but I believe we're uh, over 30 now. And it's, it's something that we're very proud of. But unfortunately, like I say we can't come forward and, and show to the world that, hey, we solved this.
0: Well, I imagine you wouldn't be doing this if you hadn't had some success in the past and the, the notion of sharing these stories. There's somebody out there that, that knows the truth and knows what happened and hopefully th- those individuals are, are still alive.
4: That's just it. We don't know and that's why we don't give up and that's why we're still reaching out for the public's assistance in solving this and any of the other unsolved cases that are still out there
1: winnipegcrimestoppers.org is the website the phone number 204-786-TIPS that's 204-786-8477 and you can also submit a tip online once again the website winnipegcrimestoppers.org detective sergeant tom mckay is the police coordinator for winnipeg crime stoppers joining us once again live on 680 cjob detective sergeant thank you very much for your time
4: thank you very much